0: ask you to do, which is to really try to focus on what's being said and how it impacts you. Uh, Because here's the reality. Like, I can give you all the greatest information in the world from this book, but if it never makes it past your ears into your mind and into your heart, it won't make a difference in your life. Okay? So, you know, I, I really want you to lock in on what's being said uh, and take to heart what you hear, okay? Um, so uh, as, we, um, as we get into this message, I, I really want you to stay focused, okay? Um, because there's some really great messaging here. Uh, and as I was going through this this week, um, you know, it dawned on me just how important that it is to tell this story and to tell it the way that it's intended to be told. Okay. Uh, so let's go ahead and watch the video, and then we will come back and pray.
1: We remember the birth of Jesus the Christ. We have been told stories of old. God came as a child to change the destiny of all men, to show forgiveness to sinners. To believe such things is misguided. The truth is, he was just an ordinary man who lived an ordinary life. Those who do not believe the truth say, We proclaim his name, Emmanuel, God with us. We share the wonder of the shepherds. We sing the songs of the angels. This is not what is real. Shepherds were not awakened by angelic announcement. There were no wise men celebrating the birth of the king. I'd be lying to you if I said that for the creator of the universe, there was no room in the inn. For the son of God, there was but a humble stable. Whether you like it or not, This is the reality of Christmas. That's what I used to think. But then I made room for him in my heart, and Jesus turned it all upside down. This is the reality of Christmas, whether you like it or not. There was but a humble stable for the Son of God, there was no room in the end for the Creator of the universe. I'd be lying to you if I said that there were no wise men celebrating the birth of the king, that shepherds were not awakened by angelic announcement. This is not what is real. We sing the song of the angels. We share the wonder of the shepherds. We proclaim his name, Emmanuel, God with us. Those who do not believe the truth say he was just an ordinary man who lived an ordinary life. But to believe such things is misguided. The truth is, to show forgiveness to sinners, to change the destiny of all men, God came as a child. We've been told stories of old. We remember the birth of Jesus, the Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. All right. So. It's so funny. I came across this video yesterday. Um, and I just thought it was, uh, it was so true to form in terms of how many people see, um, not only, uh, not only the season of Christmas, but also how they see most things of God, because, many people have these misconceptions and this misinformation about what the bible says but just like this story it isn't until people hear the truth about all of those things that the story gets flipped on its head and when you read it back you come away with a much different understanding amen so With that being said, um, the title of the message and my goal for you this morning is to share with you the true Christmas story, okay? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. Uh, We thank you so much for the gift uh, that Christ is to us. Uh, God, we thank you that. You sent him to us, so that he would be a blessing to all people. Uh, as we go through this message today, Lord, we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to receive this message from you. And we pray that you would help us to walk away with an understanding that moves us. Lord, we pray uh, that each and every person that's here would be impacted by this word and that you would move them closer to you. Um, Lord, we pray uh, for each and every person on this campus and everyone that they are connected to, that they would have an impact uh, for you and for the kingdom. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, So I think it's really important uh that any time that you tell a story that you tell it within its full context um now with the bible that can be a little bit challenging because i mean this book uh from start to finish uh i mean there's a lot of historical information in it there's a lot of prophecy in it uh there is a lot of things that have already come to pass. There are a lot of things that are going to come to pass, but at the end of the day, um, it's very hard for you to simplify such a great story that takes place over all of history, okay? Um, But I'm going to attempt to do that with the Christmas story because there are certain things about the Christmas story that we must understand in order to, uh, to truly walk away with the, uh, the correct meaning of it and to truly walk away having an understanding of what God has offered us. Okay. By the way of Jesus Christ. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you sort of like the prequel to Christ's birth. Okay. And some of the prophecies, um, that led up to Jesus, Uh, Coming And then we're going to drill down a little bit more in detail on uh, the actual details of how uh, the Christmas story unfolded. Okay? So uh, let's take a look at prophecy first. All right? Uh, So the the first prophecy I want to share with you guys is about the Messiah being born of a virgin. Now, uh, here's what's kind of funny about this. Um, You know, when... You talk about uh, having a virgin birth. Like We all know that that's not natural, right? I think we can all agree that. Have uh, we got any mothers in the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, imagine trying to pan that one off on your husbands, okay? Yeah, the, 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 the baby's coming, but it's just not yours, right? Like, no one, uh, uh, no one in their right mind is gonna look at that in natural terms and think to themselves, yeah, that can happen. Okay? Um, You know, we say that, uh, but the reality is that, like, this is what actually happened to Mary. Okay? So let's take a look at the prophecy first. All right? And that prophecy is in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where the Bible says this All right, then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Okay? Now, when the prophet Isaiah spoke these words um, at that time, I don't know that he truly understood the depth or the heaviness of the words that he was putting pen to paper with, because when these words were spoken this was about 700 years before christ came okay so i want you to keep that in mind 700 years before christ came okay and when we see these things come to pass it, it played out like this so if we go to matthew chapter 1 verse 18 the bible says this this is how jesus the messiah was born His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So... I mean, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but uh, gentlemen, if your wife-to-be came to you and told you that she was already pregnant and it wasn't yours and you knew it wasn't yours, mm-hmm. how righteous would you be in that moment? Like, really? You're sticking around? Like, or are you like, um, that's a little bit too tall of a tale for me. I'm out. I guess that's a that's a real question, right? But the Bible tells us that Joseph was a righteous man and he did not want to publicly disgrace her. Let me flesh this out a little bit because I don't think that we can fully understand it in our context today because during this time and in this particular culture if you were to be found to be an unvirtuous woman, if you were found to not be a virgin, okay, you were likely not only to, to suffer public disgrace, like people wouldn't want anything to do with you, like uh, it would change your life forever after that, but you were also at risk of being stoned publicly to death, okay, okay? This was what the law stated back then, okay? So it wasn't just the fact that he didn't want to put her through the public disgrace, but she was also, her life was also in danger, okay? So he was trying to do the right thing by her so that she would not only have to, or she wouldn't have to suffer the public disgrace that came along with being a Uh, uh, an unvirtuous woman, but also so that she would not suffer having to be stoned to death. Okay? So, verse 20 says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins so it's interesting because um, I, I was as I was going through this study uh, and just kind of really allowing this to this message to sink in, one of the interesting facts that I learned of Uh, And I mean, I've been been reading this Bible now for 10 years, Uh, but I I most recently learned that Jesus, that the name Jesus uh, actually means God is salvation or the Lord is our salvation. So when it says here, she will have a son and you are to, to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The reality is that his name is also his purpose. Okay. His name is also his purpose, which I thought was just, just really cool because I I mean, we talk about how God works in mysterious ways. um, But this is just sort of that double nod to the fact that God always moves with purpose. Okay. There's nothing in the world that God does without purpose. Like, nothing happens by chance that is not within the realm of his control, or he does not know about already. Okay? And this is no different. Okay? So, Jesus, even in his name, gives us his purpose. Okay? Um, So, let's move on to verse 22. And it says... All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, the prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isn't that one of the greatest things of all time? That God is with us. Can you imagine a world without God? Can you imagine that? I can preach a long time on that particular topic, but I'm going to keep moving. Um, So we have this prophecy of the Messiah being born of a virgin. Okay. And, we're going to shift gears and and, uh, I'm actually going to share with you three different prophecies, but um, this is just one. And uh, I want you to think of, or to start thinking about like, what are the chances that this could actually happen? Okay. I mean, we already talked about the fact that it's, it's gotta be supernatural because no one gets pregnant by natural means or, or excuse me, no one gets pregnant by unnatural means. So it has to be a natural birth. Like that's the way that we think right but this is what god chose to do he chose to give mary or or to to have mary conceived by unnatural means so there was no possible way that any one man could claim that this is exactly why uh, or or that that uh, uh this is my claim to fame this was my son no 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 this is god's son okay so Let's move on uh, to our second prophecy, okay? That the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Now, here's what's funny. Uh, when we talk about prophecy, prophecy tends to be very specific. Okay, so prophecy is not like um, you know what, uh I think there's going to be a day next week that ends in the words D A Y. Like, right? no, that that's not prophecy, okay. Um, When we talk about prophecy, prophecy typically has very specific names, times, dates, uh, uh, and uh, events that come to pass, okay? So when we look at this particular one, okay, uh, we see that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, we don't have a date to it, which is fine. But we do know it's going to come to pass and that it is going to come to pass in this very specific place, Bethlehem. Okay, Um, so let's take a look at the prophecy itself. All right. And this is in Jeremiah. Chapter 23, where the Bible says this for the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And his name will be the Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. Okay. Now, let's add a little bit of context to this because this was prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah between 580 to 620 years before Jesus came, okay? So now we have two different prophecies, one about the virgin birth, okay, which was made about 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and then we also have this particular prophecy where it talks about the coming of the Lord and him coming specifically to the town of Bethlehem, and here we see that, um, uh, here we see that, we are, we are starting to get more into the details of the prophecies and how they're going to line up together, okay? So let's go to the fulfillment of the prophecy, which is in Luke chapter 1 in verse 20. Well, we'll start at verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pre- pre- pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. He will be very great, or excuse me, I'm sorry. Let's skip and go to verse 32. Okay? And this is the angel talking, the angel Gabriel, he is talking to Mary, and he says this about the coming Messiah. He says, he will be very great And will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And I just realized I skipped my notes uh, to a different part. So please excuse me. Um, this This particular prophecy... Uh, is speaking about the Messiah coming as a descendant of David. My apologies. We're going to get back to Bethlehem in just a minute, though. Um, so what we see is very specifically that he would not only come uh, to, a, to be born of a virgin, he would not only come to be uh, born in the town of Bethlehem, we'll go back to that in a second, but also that he would be born to a very specific family, okay? Uh, and this is King David. Now, I mean, I, I, I had to ask myself, why specifically King David, okay? Uh, when Jesus could have been born to any uh, particular family at, at that time, okay? Because the reality is that uh, the... Um, At that particular point in time, the king that was installed in the land was King Herod, okay? And he was not connected to the line of David, okay? So, when we look at uh, what was going on, like, Jesus could have been born in Herod's line. But God chose for him to be born in the line of David and... When we look closer at it, it's because David's line, when you do the genealogy and you go all the way back, it traces all the way back to Adam. Okay? Uh, Now, in some way, shape, or form, we all trace all the way back to Adam. However, this particular family line uh, not only had been uh, installed as a king in Israel through the line of David, but also... Uh, goes and extends all the way back to Adam, back to the Garden of Eden, okay? So here's what's interesting about this, okay? Um, when we look at it and we say, all right, Jesus was foretold of 700 years prior to, uh, to come to a virgin, okay, uh, to come to earth by way of a virgin, and then we look at the family line that he came through, okay through the line of King David, like this was very important to the people of Israel, okay because by and far David was the greatest king that ever lived uh throughout the uh uh the time of all of the um all the kings of israel okay, and certainly the, the one of the most noted okay so you know, for for God to come in the form of a child and to be born in that family line, was significant to, or should have been significant to the people of Israel. We're going to see that that wasn't quite the case um, when He actually came, but this should have been significant to them. Okay, so now let's go back to our second uh, prophecy, which was the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Um, let's go to Micah. Uh, chapter 5, where it says this, but you, O Bethlehem, Epathra, I I think I'm saying that right. If I'm not, please forgive me, Lord. Uh, Are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come to you on my behalf. Okay? So now this was also prophesied 700 years before Jesus came on the scene, okay? And when we look at the fulfillment of it, we go to Matthew chapter 2, and in verse 1, the Bible says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw this star when it arose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. Now this is kind of funny about this, right? You have, you have the, the king, uh, Herod, uh, who hears this message that the Messiah has been born, that the the new king of the Jews has been born. And obviously because he was not rightfully installed as the king, and he had killed people even within his own family in order to stay in power, okay? Obviously for him, you know, for this to disturb him made sense to me. Made total sense. Like somebody's coming to... Uh, uh, to proclaim himself as king and a king, okay, that makes sense. All right, you don't want to be ousted from power. However, the second part to this, where it says "and all Jerusalem with him," why is it that all of Jerusalem, all of these people who should have known about the prophecy about the Messiah coming to be the king, the true king, why is it that they were all disturbed? Why is that? They should have been overjoyed, but they weren't. But we'll come back to that in a minute. We'll come back to that in a minute because that, that's a, a, it's a little bit of a deeper conversation. All right, so we've just looked at three different prophecies, and let me, let me give you guys some, some context on this and show you how important this is, okay? Um, because there are hundreds of prophecies that are foretold in the Bible, okay? Um, some of which are talking about events that will come to pass if, uh, um, uh, if we ever get to it in our lifetime, Uh, some of which are in the distant future, okay? And you got about uh, a little over 100 or so that are what are considered messianic prophecies that talk very specifically about the Messiah and the coming of the Messiah, all right? And things that will happen throughout the course of his life, okay? I just shared with you three uh, prophecies that were... Uh, very specific about the actual birth of Christ, okay? But uh, when I was doing some research on this, uh, I came across a uh, very interesting article that mentioned a mathematician by the name of Peter Stoner. Um, Go ahead and put that up real quick. Okay, Peter Stoner uh, is a mathematician and, and college professor That calculated the probability of one person, one person accidentally fulfilling just eight of the hundreds of prophecies that talk about the Messiah. Okay? Uh, And he wrote a book about it called Science Speaks. uh, And this is back in 1958. And he concluded very conservatively that you had a one in 100 quadrillion chance of one person accidentally fulfilling eight messianic prophecies. That's a one with 17 zeros after it. These chances, and and let me put this into further context. If you were to Uh, if you were to go and play the mega millions, okay, try to hit the lotto, right? You have a 331 million times chance more of hitting the mega millions than you would of finding one person that would fulfill eight prophecies about who Jesus is. Let me give you a little further context. If you were to take the Powerball, okay, which is arguably a little bit harder for you to hit, okay, you would have a 342 million times chance of hitting the Powerball than you would of finding one person, just one, that would fit the description of the Messiah. Based on prophecy, okay? So, when we talk about the miracle of Christmas, it is not just because of what the Bible says is a miracle. It is because it is a statistical improbability that you would find one person that would ever come to this planet. And I told you there were hundreds of them. I'm just trying to get you to find one person that fills eight eight out of a hundred some odd prophecies about the Messiah okay so the next time some, uh, uh, some really intelligent person tries to come and tell you that Jesus didn't exist like share that story with them okay or not so intelligent person All right <laughs> All right, so we looked a little bit at prophecy. Let's, let's, uh, let's drill down and, and let's get a little bit more detailed um, about how the Christmas story, excuse me, actually unfolded. Um, so let's go ahead and shift gears. We'll go over to Luke chapter 2. All right, and we're going to take a look at uh, verse 8. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Let's pause there for a second. Um, Imagine that. You are out in a field, minding your business, tending sheep, and then instantly boom you've got the glory of the lord around you okay you've got an angel standing there all right and he's telling you don't be afraid uh i can tell you i would be anything but not being afraid okay uh i (sighs) only god right so Going back to uh, going back to our, our verses here, let's go to verse eleven. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me finish verse ten. Uh, he says, "Don't be afraid," and then he says, "I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people." You got it. He did not just, and this is what's what makes this so unique okay um about jesus's story because he didn't the bible says that he didn't come to uh he didn't come just for the jewish people okay bible says here that he came for all people and it's so interesting to me because here we have this gift to all of humanity but all of humanity doesn't accept the gift You know, I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Like, if I come to you on your birthday and I offer you a gift, but you don't take the gift, is the gift truly yours? No, it's meant for you. But if you don't accept the gift, do you truly have it? No, you don't. And this is the thing that a lot of people miss. They miss the opportunity of a lifetime. Okay? We'll come back to that a little bit later too. So Bible says here that he will bring great joy to all people. Then in verse 11, it says, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Lying in a manger. And then it just gets even more miraculous here because then in verse 13 it says suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others the armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. So First, it starts out, the shepherds are there, uh, you know, they're tending their sheep, boom, radiance of the Lord, and then an angel standing before them, they're probably scared out of their minds, and they're either, like, trying to run, get away, or bowing their heads to the ground, or whatever, and he tells them, don't be afraid, and then he tells them about the birth of the Messiah, tells them about the birth of Jesus, and then bible tells us that after he tells them that then the night sky is entirely lit up you have the host of heaven's armies in the sky singing about the coming of the lord you know we sing a song joy to the world the lord has come let earth receive her king right This is, that song, I believe, was modeled after this event, okay? So, we have this happen to them, and and they're, like, totally blown away, all right? And then, you know, we we shift gears from there, and we go to verse 15. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Okay. So it wasn't just enough that they got this message from an angel that just appeared and the, the singing of the angels in the air and uh this, this radiant light show. It wasn't just enough for them to have taken that. They actually took to heart what was told to them. And they said, let's go see for ourselves. You know, the funny thing about it is I I, I I just thought about this. You know, we share Jesus like every Sunday that we're here, okay? And there are some people that come and they hear it and the words fall on deaf ears, right? Nothing happens inside of them to prompt them to go and find out for themselves, Right? Um, you know, and, and I really felt, uh, I really felt as I was researching this topic and, and, and really like chewing on this message over the course of the week, uh, I felt this burning desire to make sure that I gave you the full truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth when it came to this so that if you are here and you don't know Jesus, that you would walk away with a much better understanding of who he truly is, who he's truly become or why he truly has come. Okay. Uh, and I did that not only for the saints in this room, but for those that do not know him. Okay. Because the reality is that, you know, uh, the shepherds, they actually did something that was very unique. Like they could have easily just have been satisfied with what they had seen and heard but no, they went to see for themselves and you know I implore you, if you don't know God you don't know the Lord go in search of him and you will find him okay, so verse 16 says this it says they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there, just like the angels said was the baby lying in the manger verse 17 it says after seeing him the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child when we hear about jesus and uh we come to know who he is and and uh what he represents. It is not only our responsibility and our duty to go and to share it, but it should be our heartborn desire to do so. Okay. This is what happened to the shepherds and this is what should happen to us. Okay. So, so, Let's move a little bit further into the story uh, as we go to Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Um, And at this particular point in time, uh, Jesus, obviously he was born. Uh, This is eight days later, and I'll give you a little bit of background. In Jewish culture, uh, the custom was to take the newborn child and take them to the temple to have them dedicated to the Lord, okay, uh, within, eight, or within, or excuse me, at eight days after the birth of the child, okay. Uh, so this is what Mary and Joseph were doing, okay. They were taking Jesus to have him dedicated at that time, all right. So in verse 25, it says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. All right. So we have this man, Simeon Bible says that, uh, he was a righteous and devout man and, uh, it says that the Holy Spirit had told him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah in his lifetime. You know, and it, it's, it's so funny to me because um, I don't know when this message, the Bible doesn't tell us when this message came to him. Okay. Uh, but the Bible only says that the Holy Spirit revealed it to him, but that he lived expectantly. Awaiting the king. Okay? So, you know, he was a righteous man and he was expecting the coming of the Messiah. Right? So, let's go to verse 27. It says, That day the Spirit led him to the temple. Again, being filled with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. Very important. Okay? So the Spirit led him to the temple. And then it says, So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child into his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. And in verse 30, I love this, it says, I have seen your salvation. Remember I told you before, Jesus' name. It means God is our salvation, for the Lord is our salvation. Simeon says, I have seen your salvation. Okay? In verse 31, uh, which you have prepared for all people. Okay? So again, we we see this. Uh, this restatement for us of Jesus and his purpose to be the salvation for all of mankind, okay? So now let's shift gears one more time. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 1 there, okay? And the Bible says this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men came from eastern lands and arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Again, I understand King Herod being disturbed. What I don't understand is why the people of Jerusalem were disturbed when they should have been looking for, and they should have been much like Simeon and eagerly awaiting the coming of the Messiah. Okay. So in verse four, it says this, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? Now, again, like this is the King of Israel. That's asking this question. Okay. And he's asking this Now, Here's what's funny about this, and I, I, this just came to mind. Um, so when the nation of Israel initially asked for a king, they were asking for a king because they didn't want God to be their king, so they wanted a human king. They wanted a king that would be like the kings of the nations that surrounded them. Okay? And at that time, God said to the prophet, he said, listen, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And he told him, he was like, look, I will give them a king, okay? But he gave very specific parameters for what the king was supposed to do. One of, the, king, one of the, the things that the king was supposed to do was to write in his own hand the Bible as they knew it back then, okay? He was supposed to have a written copy that uh, was written in the presence of the priest, and he was supposed to study that day and night. So, it kind of begs the question, why is King Herod asking, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? He's supposed to know this already. But he asked, so we'll answer it. He wasn't supposed to be king. He wasn't supposed to be king of the people in the sense that uh, he was uh, supposed to be who they were following. So, God sent his own king to rule over the people. His name is Jesus. Okay? So, coming back to this. Verse 5. The, the wise men, they answer, and they say, In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Here's what's kind of interesting about this. And I, I, didn't, I didn't think about this before, but um, just kind of going back to the shepherds. Shepherds were not highly regarded in the, um, uh, in the culture, in the Jewish culture, okay? Um, because a lot of times they were unclean. They were ceremonially unclean. Okay, they were dealing with sheep uh, who, like I'm thinking about this now, and it, it's, it's just kind of funny to me because sheep were also slaughtered at the temple. So, someone had to bring the sheep to the temple in order to be slaughtered, okay, in order for there to be forgiveness of sins for the people back then, okay? So, someone had to tend to those sheep, okay? But, I digress, uh, the shepherds were not highly regarded, but... What's interesting is the wording here from the prophet because it says, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Here's what's interesting about this. Okay, so shepherds, uh, they have someone or something that they are shepherding. Okay? And the uh, the obvious uh, connotation here is that the people were sheep, okay? And (laughs) the funny part is like sheep are notorious for being dumb. Like they're notorious for it, okay? Uh, So I I read a story one time. uh, There was a herd of sheep where... One of them was kind of leading the way, went over the the cliff of a, a hill, and then 200 of them ended up going over the same cliff. Like, that's dumb, right? But the Bible says in this prophecy, the Bible says a ruler will come for you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Uh, you know, and I don't know if they got it back then, but we can certainly get it. Like we can be dumb sometimes we can do some dumb stuff for real. Yeah. Okay. So verse seven Bible says, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. I'll hang out here for a minute. Let me give you a little context here too. King Herod was in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is five miles from Bethlehem. The average person walks at a pace of about three and a half to four miles per hour if they're walking slowly. So the trip from Jerusalem to Bethlehem would have taken one hour if you walked briskly. He could have gone to see him himself. Why didn't he do that? This is the Messiah we are talking about. Why didn't he do that? Somebody said, I would have ran. Right? Yet, King Herod and all the people of Jerusalem, they didn't bother to go to see for themselves. Because they were deeply disturbed. Well, I'm sorry to disturb you, but this is a little important. Right. So Bible says uh, in verse nine says, after this interview, the wise men went on their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary and bowed down and worshiped him. Let's pause there for a second. So let me tell you a little bit about these wise men. So these wise men were not Jewish. They didn't have a Jewish background. Okay. They came from a foreign land and they came from really far. It says they came from the East. Okay. So I'm going to venture a guess and say they traveled a little more than five miles. Okay. They had no commitment. They had no connection. But they came and they worshipped him anyway. Right? Then it says... Wait, let's go back for a second, because I I had to clear something else up, too. Um, So here's one of my pet peeves about Christmas uh, that I'll share with you all real quick. Um, So I'm sure that many of us have seen a nativity scene, okay? And in that nativity scene, you see all kinds of things. You see Mary, Jesus, you see Joseph. uh, Sometimes you see shepherds. Sometimes you see the wise men. um, And you see... All of these things that are kind of, in a way, associated with Christmas, but you see them displayed incorrectly. I want you to catch what the Bible says here. It says they entered the house. When Mary and Joseph first got to Bethlehem, there was no room for them at the inn. Why? Because they didn't have a house. Jesus was born and he was laid in a manger because they didn't have a house. So whenever you see these nativity scenes and they have the wise men there in the barn at the manger, Uh, wrong. That's not biblically correct. Like you can't have the shepherds and the wise men there at the same time because it didn't happen that way. Okay? It's estimated that when they actually showed up, it was about two years later. Okay? Because we come to find out that Herod, in his haste to find this newborn king, wanted to kill him. So he wanted to kill every child that was under the age of two that was a male child. That's what the Bible tells us. Okay? So let's just clear that up right now. Okay? There was no wise men at the true nativity scene. Okay? Uh, And for any of the Christmas shows or Christmas pictures that you see, uh, where you see that being depicted, I want you to think to yourself, that's not biblically accurate. Because it wasn't. Okay? So I digress. Uh, Okay. So second part of this verse it says then they, meaning the wise men, opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh I told you before the wise men were in no way committed to or connected with Jewish culture they came And they did something that not even the people of Israel were willing to do. Again, that to me is surprising. Okay. It's real deep. So, you know, I have shared all of this with you this morning. Um, Because the reality is that this still applies to us today, okay? And, you know, now that we've heard all of these facts about the Bible from the Bible, and, you know, we have a better understanding, hopefully, of the way that things actually transpired, you know, now comes time for the response like how do we respond to this in light of what we've heard you know and and there's a few different ways that we can but i'll start with the simple like are we going to be like the shepherds right are we going to be like the shepherds who upon hearing about jesus upon hearing about the coming of the Lord, the savior, the Messiah, they went and they not only did a little bit more research. They, they, they went and they saw for themselves. Right. But after they went and they saw for themselves, they went and they told everyone about him and what they had seen. So my question is like, as followers of Christ, like this is our calling too. Like, what are we going to do with this today? Like our, our, how many people are we going to share Jesus with and share our testimony with? Like that's, that's the question, right? Are we going to be like them? And in light of what we've heard, and what we know to be true from the Bible, not from Elder Keon, what we know to be true from the Bible, are we going to share that in our testimony with people? All right? Secondly, or are we, or moreover, I should say, are we like Simeon? Simeon the Bible describes as a righteous and devout man who was eagerly expecting the coming of the Messiah. Simeon followed the leading of the Holy Spirit, which we should too. Simeon, spent a portion of his life looking forward to that time when he would see the Messiah with his own eyes. Are you doing that? As a Christian, are you looking forward to the coming of the Messiah? Because the Bible says he is coming back. He is coming back. And if the Bible said it, that's a guarantee. He's coming. But are we looking forward to his coming? And more importantly, are we living like we're looking forward to the coming? Or is our response like King Herod and all the people of Jerusalem? To whom the Bible says they were deeply disturbed when they heard about the Messiah and the coming of the Messiah. You know, um, this is, uh, this can be a difficult thing to process for. Someone who's a Christian and a non-Christian, because the reality is that there are sometimes, as Christians, that we live, uh, we live in this sort of mindset where we are, uh, where we are shaken by the fact that God is coming back. Most of the time, that means that it's because we're not living right. If we're being honest, okay and like we we have the vantage point as Christians of knowing that we're only one prayer away from getting right with God okay as the bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness all we need to do is ask with the right heart okay but are we doing it? Like, are we living that out? That's, that's the thing. That's where the rubber meets the road. Like, that's where we need to be. Okay? So, again, are we living like the shepherds? Are we telling people about Jesus and are we t- sharing our testimony with them? Are we like Simeon? Are we eagerly awaiting and expectantly awaiting his return? Or are we like King Herod and all the people of Jerusalem? Who were not. Okay. You know, they, they were five miles away from the greatest thing that ever happened to humanity. But they didn't move a finger to go and see for themselves. They didn't do anything. Like, everyone needs to be moved by Jesus one way or the other. Everyone. You cannot sit on a fence about Jesus and who he is. You can't. You either agree with what the Bible says, which I implore you to. Or you are repulsed by him. Like That's a fact. But it all comes down to a choice. Come on, Victor. We have this gift that is Jesus Christ. But like I told you before, this gift is only good in so much that we accept it. So my question to you, if you don't know Jesus, you've heard something about him this morning. You've heard about who he is, but let me share with you a little bit about why he came. The Bible says that God sent Jesus into the world to be the sacrifice for us and our sins. The Bible says that there is no good person that exists on this planet. Jesus said that during his earthly ministry. Uh, there was a. a There was what the Bible describes as a young, rich ruler that came to him and said, teacher. uh, He said to him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him at that time, relating to him the way that uh, the young, rich ruler spoke to him. um, He said to him, like, there are none that are good. Okay. Now, he said that because... The guy only saw him as a good teacher because the guy did not see him in his deity. Okay? So he related back to him the way that he thought that guy would understand, and he told him, No one is good. And this is the thing none of us is good enough to stand before God. The Bible says that we are all sinners. And that the wages of sin is death, eternal death. Jesus came to this planet to be the gift to all of humanity. And to die for the sins of humanity. says that in, in 1 John, it says that he came to die for all the sins of the world. The problem is that all of the people in the world don't accept the gift. They don't accept salvation. They don't accept the fact that he is who he says he is. They don't believe that God even exists. But I'll tell you like I tell everybody else. You have a 50-50 chance at that being true. If I came to you right now And it was the middle of the night. And I said to you, I woke you up real quick and startled you. And I said, listen, the house is on fire. I need you to get out right now. This is the one door that we can go through to get to safety. You have a 50-50 chance of me being right. You do. 50-50 chance. I could be right. I could be wrong. So my question is, if you listen to the words that I said and you decide, you know what? Let me not take the chance and let me get out of here and then figure out if what he's saying is true later on. Like, that's what most people would do. Most sane people. Okay. But this is exactly what I'm telling you right now. The world is on Fire absolutely is on fire god said that one day all those who are sinners me you everyone else in this room everyone else on this planet everyone who has ever lived everyone who will ever live we are all sinners and the wages of sin is an eternal death in a place called hell That you have the opportunity to choose whether or not you go there. The same way that you have the opportunity to choose to believe what's being told to you from this word. Jesus is the free gift of salvation. But that gift. Only as good in so much as you accept the gift. It is only redeemable up to the point of physical death. Because once you step into eternity, there's no turning back. You either have accepted him or you have not. And I don't want anyone to miss the opportunity of an eternity. Not a lifetime of eternity. So, I am going to give you an opportunity. If you do not know the Lord today, I am going to give you an opportunity to come to know him. Because the Bible says that the, uh, the person who hears this word and who understands and knows that they are a sinner, if you would only acknowledge your sins to God and you would confess your sins to God, that he is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. Come into your life today and change your life from the inside out. So, I'm going to pray for us uh, as we close, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to know the Lord for yourself. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift. Of Jesus, we thank you so much for sending him over 2,000 years ago. Um, God, we, we thank you so much uh, and we know that we could never repay you for the gift that Jesus is and we come to you now and, and we just we just pray and, and we give you the only thing that we can offer you that you truly want on this day which is our thanks. Thank you so much for loving us so much that you sent Jesus as the gift of salvation. God, we, we pray for those that are here uh, that have heard this message, that have heard about your prophecies that you spoke of way before the coming of Jesus. We pray for, uh, we pray for them that they have heard about the gift of Jesus and that they have heard the gospel, the good news we pray that you work in their hearts and that you turn their hearts towards you. God, we pray for each and every person that is here that you would help us to respond to this message, to respond to the gospel and that we would draw close to you. God, we pray for each and every person here that's already a believer in Christ and we pray that you would Help us to share Jesus with everyone. We pray that you would help us to share our testimony with everyone. We pray that you would help us to be like Simeon and live expectantly, expecting Jesus to return because you said in your word that he will. He is coming back for us. So God, we pray. And we just ask that you change hearts in this room today. And we pray all of this in Jesus'
1: name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry